Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great episode, an interview to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, Jorge Isa Dreyfus has 25 plus year career in human resources covering several sectors and specialties. And since 2019, Jorge has led talent, capability, and culture at Sage, a global software company with over 12,000 employees that provide small and medium businesses with the viability, visibility, flexibility, and efficiency to manage finances, operations, and people. Jorge has completed degrees in psychology and business in Spain, followed by a master's in human resources from the London School of Economics. He is an AOEC certified coach and qualified in multiple psychometric and personality tools such as MBTI, DISC, strength development, inventory, and more. Jorge is originally from Spain and has worked and lived in Spain, France, the US, and the last 20 years in the UK with his wife, Michelle, his two sons, and his dog, Charlie. Jorge, welcome to the podcast. Andy, thank you so much. Delighted to be here. Looking forward to what I'm sure will be uh, you know, an interactive and uh, hopefully insightful yet also entertaining conversation. Looking forward to, to that. I feel a bit embarrassed you know, after that, that introduction. I didn't realize I was that old, but I guess I, guess I am. <laughs> and uh, obviously in the, uh, in the world of, of talent, you do tend to study along the way and, and uh, gain a few uh, accreditations and experiences along, along the way. But yes, yeah. uh, I am that old now and happy to reflect back in some of the journey so far. Yes, well, old and also wise and experienced. And I could tell the you know, from the last time we talked for quite some time on Zoom, and I knew you had a lot of experience from different companies doing different things. And I'm excited to dig into that. But, you know, speaking of that background, I'd love to dig into a little bit of that and ask you to share more about your background and how did you get into HR in the first place? Well, um, I think unlike most HR professionals, this was not, you know, when I was eight, you know, something that came to mind. I said, yes, I want to be an HR professional. So yeah. it came a little bit later in my, you know, in my life. I was studying business at, at university back in, uh, you know, back in Spain. I fell in love and found Probably, uh, you know, the, the one of the topics that was more interesting to me was organizational psychology, more than the accounting or, or the marketing. And as I, you know, got a taste of it, I, I decided to study psychology. And, and I've always been very interested about why people behave the way, you know, they, you know, they do. I mean, mm. I think that in, in this field, we work with one of the most, uh, or if not the most interesting of resources, the human. You know, I think us human are so complex and diverse and interesting and contradictory. So I've always been fascinated by, you know, why do we do what, what we do, but also from an organizational perspective, what does it take to create a great team, not only for today, but, you know, for, you know, for tomorrow. So from an, uh, you know, academic perspective, you know, I was following that, you know, that path. I did your typical internships, you know, early, you know, early on. I remember, you know, uh, doing one in France, studying banks when, when it was called personnel and, and HR was really, you know, much more of a control function 
rather than one that is about optimizing you know performance which is i think the business we're all in in hr these you know these days and like many people in hr one of the beauties of of being a functional expert is that you can go and experience different different sectors so yes i spend a fair amount of time in, in banking and uh, i learn a lot and i like some aspects more than you know more than others but i've also been in other sectors whether it is you know technology and manufacturing at honeywell or you know more in the uh, health and insurance with uh, you know with Bupa. So I, you know I think that one of the beauties of, of being an HR professional is that you know you can experience different sectors. And you know being a curious chap, that's always been one of the driving factors. Try to do different things along the way. Yeah, you've worked in a few different, very different industries, the health side of things as well as now software and technology. When you move from one industry to the next. Do you find that there's often a steep learning curve or is it more like people are people, they behave similarly no matter what type of industry they're working in? I would have to defer to the classic yes and, you know, so yes, people are people are people and there are some commonalities that you can, you know, come across, you know, across, you know, across organizations. So everybody wants and is better and it's so critical these days to be purpose driven. Everybody, you know, I still have to come across organizations where appreciation is not really relevant and, you know, uncritical. So, yes, there are commonalities, but there are also, you know, differences. You know, when I was in banking, you know, learning needed to be in nanoseconds. If you're taking investment bankers, you know, away from deal making, you know, their patient was, you know, significantly shorter. Mm. When I worked with engineers, they love the why question. And whether that is because it's ingrained, but they, you know, they would love to get into L&D interventions, understand, you know, what's underneath the hood. So you would get more questions, you know, around, you know, around that. In software, it's, it's uh, agile, it's second nature here. So what I have experienced is that we move faster in, in this organization compared to, you know, other organizations where I worked at. But that has to do, you know, in part, at least partially with the kind of uh, industry that we are in. So this is a fast paced, you know, a much um, uh, the ability to change um, is, is a stronger. So I think that there are, you know, some commonalities and then some of the differences. It depends really on the intensity of, you know, of the difference. Part of it is also you know, the timing, timing is everything. So I was in banking, you know, in, in some interesting times, you know, good times. And I was in banking when one of my employers had a regulator, you know, at their office looking over their shoulders. Mm. So, you know, that also makes a, makes a big, uh, a big difference. Yeah, no doubt. Since you have moved to uh, just a handful, but a few different companies mm. in different industries, and I know people are making moves more and more these days, what's something that's worked really well for you to get up to speed quickly and, and figure out what's going on and like maybe the, the highest priority or, or best thing to be doing in the beginning. Yeah, I think, I think it's a, um, the combination of knowing your craft uh, and, you know, understand developing your craft as well as being humble. So, you know, one should never go with, uh, you know, the, the uh, here's my book of solutions and now I'm in a new place and I just need to deploy them again. You know, so the ability to remain curious and to build quickly a network and look for a mentor and spend time. I, I still listen, you know, usually about an hour a month, sometimes a little bit more to customer calls of all sorts, to just hmm. try to understand what are they saying? What are some of the issues? Um, you know, I, I have for the last few years working corporate roles. So how do I make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm not isolated, you know, in the headquarters, uh, you know, go out to talk 
to salespeople and in our case to product people, to software engineers, you know, mix, you know, out and make sure that you are connected with folks, you know, across. Uh, but I would say number one, curiosity, you know, understand how does the business work? How do we make money? What's critical? What's critical for our customers? You know, now I've got the advantage of we serve a small and business, sorry, small and medium, you know, businesses, entrepreneurs. We are surrounded by that every every day. You know, on my way or my commute, I come across you know someone who's got a small business, whether it is you know a a shoe or a uh, you know coffee store. I can mm-hmm. talk to them. Yeah, you know, what 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 accounting software do you use? What's mm-hmm. difficult about you? How is your business evolving? And so it's just taking advantage of of those you know of those opportunities and leveraging the team. I know I, I got here and I had a small team. Um, you know, a number of them had been here you know quite some time. So making sure that you know you 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 make the most of that. You ask relevant questions. You, ju- you do not jump to conclusions too you know too quickly. Remain open minded until you've got enough data. Uh, and you surround the right, yourself with the right people to make, you know, to make a decision. Yeah, I think as long as you remain curious, you're probably in a good place to go and, you know, go into a new organization and see how much of your craft is applicable and how much new concepts and new ideas need to be developed. Yeah, I agree completely. I often think that curiosity is like the number one skill or attribute that will lead to more success, no matter what type of role you're getting into, company you're getting into. I mean, at some point, you've you've got to like demonstrate your expertise, right? That's why people hire you. But starting with curiosity is, is always a great way to go. So since 2019, you have been there as SVP and head of talent development at Sage. And I know you have placed a big focus on employee experience creating a great culture and experience. And I wonder if you could talk about your philosophy on that and, and talent development in general. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I think that that was one of the things that um, attracted me to this opportunity. For, for, for whatever reason, I, I, I like and I tend to go into organizations that are a little bit messy or they are you know, maybe in a, in a crossroads, so to speak. And so when I joined back in 2019, Steve, our CEO, had just been confirmed as as CEO. The company was, you know, coming from a, a difficult, you know, a difficult period. Uh, our chief people officer had also recently been confirmed into, you know, into the assignment. And and uh, at that time, frankly, our, our glass door was below three, which is not great. Our ENPS was negative, which is not a place where you want to to be. Now, four years down the line. You know, we've got a new strategy. We have reinvented, you know, our values. We have done a phenomenal work with with our brand as a symbol of the change that we're going through as an organization. You know, have to remember that we are 40 years old, and that's a heck of a very old company for software yeah. <laughs> company. You know, we we started with you know providing what we call on-premise software. So we will send, and I'm sure that many of your uh, listeners will not know this, but you know, there used to be something called disks and they used to be five and a half you know, inches and they used to be black and we would just send them you know, with our software and they would put in their little business and they will run their accounts. You know, That was the world that we came in, a very, very successful world for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. But today, you know, we are much more of a data company, an insights company, a digital network company, you know, so imagine the transformation that we've been going on over the last you know few years, and I'm delighted to say that the people function, with many others, of course, in the organization, have a key role to play. And that was one of the attractive factors for me: is like come and help us, you know, through this, you know, through this journey. So whether it is you know working on the culture, we took a lot of my you know time at the very beginning and uh, rebuilding you know the culture, regaining the trust, moving us from you know as I mentioned that glass door that was below three to today we are above four. We've been as high as 4.3. I think we're at 4.2 at the moment, mm-hmm. moving from a negative ENPS to a positive, you know, 
employee net promote scorer, you know, so terrific, you know, terrific. But I would say that leading by example, working with our CEO and his team, uh, with our senior management, you know, that's what people pay, you know, pay attention. You absolutely need to do that. Being very, very inclusive. A lot of the changes that we have done have been through co-creation. So we've iterated a few times, you know, through our, our values. And in all cases, we have consulted with our colleagues that help us build the kind of culture that we want to have, you know, here. We've invested significantly, you know, we've got partnerships with the like of London Business School. You know, we work very closely with, you know, YSC and other, you know, well-known firms to make sure that we've got the right culture in, you know, in place. Uh, So, you know, lots and lots of actions over the last four years to get to where we are now. And I would also argue, and we're not there yet. So if, if I use the analogy, you know, we were, and I don't know how popular where you are, the park runs are, but, you know, park runs are quite popular among runners here, at least in the, in the UK. There are 5K races, you know, organized by, you know, volunteers and, and mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people go every, you know, uh, Saturday and do their 5K and you can get your timing and so forth. But if we were a park runner as a, as a company, you know, four years ago, we were probably just hobbling along, you know, probably close to the 28 minute for the five, you know, for the 5k. We are in ship shape now, you know, we are maybe at four and a half, five minutes tops, you know, yeah. but we want to do, we want to do the, the, uh, you know, four minute a K, you know, type of runner. We mm-hmm. want to, you know, keep them improving. So as much as we're happy with what we've done, yeah. there's so much, you know, done. And uh, I'm not going to say that we want to uh, beat the uh, two hours, you know, kind of like marathon <laughs> right. that has been out there now, but yeah. we certainly want to go faster and better. The opportunities is really huge for us. Yeah, that you've made some big improvements and there's always room for more improvement. You, you see opportunity to get better. When you talked about connecting with the priorities for the business and being more inclusive, are there a couple big things that you did or you can speak about that really helped turn things around with regards to the ENPS and Glassdoor rating and experience? Yeah, I would I would say a few come, you know, a few come to mind. We ran a company-wide hackathon, you know, when we looked at our culture and values the first time around, uh, involving literally, you know, the 12,000 people that we've got, you know, around and um we did that in partnership with Hotspot Movement, which is led by Linda Gratton, a well-known professor at London Business School, uh, you know, one of the HR gurus, sort of speaking. And they help us, you know, navigate how do you get, you know, thousands of, you know, conversations going, and how do you get from there to some, you know, some insights. So some very large, you know, scale, you know, interventions. We also invested significantly on development, uh, particularly of, you know, our senior, you know, senior executives. Our CEO was clearly wanted to put in place a different kind of leadership compared to the prior CEO. So there needed to be a before and after, so to speak. And in order to, you know, to do that, we got that group together uh, three times or so a year with some very specific development actions in place, but also some very candid conversations. You know, what does it take to be a high-performing organization? What does it take to make sure that we take the right levels of risk that we need to take so that we can, you know, that we can grow? So I would think those, those are two that come to mind as some of the big actions that we have, you know, taken. Other actions, when it comes, you've mentioned inclusiveness, which is a key priority of, of ours too. One of the things that, that we did is that we, we brought in more expertise. So I, you know, I hired and brought into the organization uh, our VP of, of DNI, Peter, a gentleman with years and years of experience. So in some areas, we needed to bring more expertise into the organization to drive, you know, things, you know, things forward. So a combination of factors help us get, you know, the progression that you've seen uh, us yeah. do it. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds like 
you really started from the top with the CEO wanting to make changes and then investing in executive development and developing those leaders. And I would assume you get a little bit of a trickle down effect from that. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the things you did to um, develop the, the, the executives, the top level leaders to start to build that culture? Yeah, um, we did, for example, in many cases, uh, assessments. So we help people understand what were their strengths and what were some of the things that they needed to, you know, to work on. And so depending on where, where you are in the organization, as part of the promotion selection, if you're coming from outside, we will do a, in partnership with you know, YC, an external firm, a pretty thorough assessment so that we can really understand you know, what are your capabilities and what needs to be developed and you know, how are you going to fit in the organization. Now, we want each one of our you know, hires to be unique and to retain that part. So this is not about trying to bring everybody into the uh, uh, into the Borg, if you're a Star Trek, you know, fan, you know, this is about understanding, you know, what is it that you bring, yeah. what you may have to work on. So that level of, of introspection and self-awareness, you know, has been critical, you know, for the progression of, you know, of the organization. And you're right, you know, a lot of the focus was, you know, if you want top down, but we also work bottoms up, you know, we now have in place, you know, some fantastic interventions, you know, at, you know, senior, medium, and, you know, junior levels throughout, you know, the organization when it comes to, you know, to development. We have set up a number of academies and the way that our L&D function is organized is around, you know, the different academies. So as you can imagine, as, as a software organization, as a digital organization, you know, product is critical to us too. Now, we, we, we don't want to be in general product-led. We want to be absolutely customer-led and we want people to fall in love with the problems, not with the solutions. That said, you know, the strength of our product academy and the capabilities that we need to bring in that space are also, you know, very, very important to, to our success. So we invest heavily on, you know, on that, on that front too. Yeah. One of the things that we also worked on is, and we're still working on, is, you know, making sure that we have the right caliber of conversations. Um, so, we worked on a program around accountability and, and transparency, you know, radical candor. I'm sure you've come across that, mm -hmm. you know, that concept. So we embrace that, you know, that concept because we, we are a nice organization and we're recognized for that. But, you know, like any strengths, it can also develop, you know, some um, challenges along the way. So the fact that we're nice maybe sometimes means that we don't have the robust conversations early on in a particular situation that would be of help. So, we have worked hard, you know, to make sure that we strengthen that muscle and that, you know, our line managers, our leaders, our colleagues are more and more comfortable having some of those tough conversations when, when it is appropriate. So I think those, those are also, so we work with our top 60 teams and we did interventions, you know, around, you know, how do you, you know, make sure that you have conversations with what we call, you know, above the line. How do you make sure that you have conversations where that radical candor is perceived in the right way? How do we make sure that when we commit, we commit? And it's not on a best endeavor. If I say that I will be, you know, get things done by X, I mean, lack of accountability mm. with you, the, other, the other side of the equation, how much time do you spend or your organization spends following up because something has not been quite done? And if you could minimize 1%, 5%, 15% of that follow-up, has this get thing done? Or when we have to restart a project several times, or you know, I'm sure some of your colleagues have felt, or, or some of your listeners had at times felt going down the merry-go-round. You know, it's like, we've tried to solve this problem several yeah. times, but no one seems to be grabbing it. Well, what if you were able to grab it early on with real accountability and clarity uh, around roles and responsibilities? So those are some of the things that we've been doing to try to get and improve 
productivity within the organization. That said, as I said, we are certainly not claiming victory. So much more to do yeah. and still a, a big role in doing more for the, uh, for the HR, for the people function. Yeah. It's a lot of investment and a lot of programs that are going on. It sounds like accountability, huge. When I think about my own studies and philosophy of leadership and successful leadership, accountability is a big, big part of that, being a great leader in the modern world. You mentioned the academy, specifically Product Academy. I wonder if you could say a little bit more to us about what that looks like. Are these physical? Are they you know, virtual? Is it, are there live classes on demand? And do you work with a partner if you build all this internally? Um, so there are no buildings. So I think I think corporate universities, at least the, the building ones, I think that there are still a few organizations that have some of you know some of yeah. those, but that's not really what we are, you know, what we are after. What we wanted to do is because this has been now up and running for about two years now, we got a lot of feedback from our learners that, that we had a fantastic learning offering, but it was very confusing. You know, we've got LinkedIn Learning, we've got, you know, on-demand, Cornerstone is our learning management system. So they found the navigation, you know, complex. And I think that's a problem that, you know, I don't think it's unique to, you know, to us. So we decided to organize, you know, the learning in a more a learner-centric way, uh, also with learning on the moment, you know, in mind. And structuring our offerings and our areas of expertise around a set number of academies. So whether it is a leadership academy that we have or innovation academy that we have or the product academy, cloud academy, you know, that, that we have, professional academy. So we are trying to help the navigation and the ownership of that a little bit more, you know, more clear. And yes, they do offer a combination. You know, some of their offerings will be, you know, face-to-face. Some of them will be on demand. Some of them will be online. So there's a whole suite of channels that we use to deliver you know, on, you know, on those. We're still tracking, you know, uh, and asking our learners, so have we made it simple enough? Because uh, A, simplicity is one of our values, but simplicity is also one of our challenges. Mm. And, you know, complexity has this uh, knack to kind of like uh, come in when you're not looking. It sneaks in uh, complexity yeah. when you're not looking. So, you know, we're always challenged with, have we made it, you know, as simple as we possibly can? And, and that doesn't mean simpleton. It, it, you know, sometimes doing something simple is quite a complex, you know, task in it, you know, in itself. But we want to make it easy for our learners so that they can quickly identify what is it that they need and how it is. And yes, we do have some, you know, partners, you know, along the way. And that's true for a lot of the interventions that, you know, that we have. We have partnered in the past, you know, with, with BTS, a company that you know well. So mm-hmm. there's a whole suite of partners that we've had along the way that help us with, you know, with, the ex- with bringing expertise and different approaches into solving the issues that we're trying to address. Yeah, that's right. I remember you mentioned you were working with my old company, BTS. I know they do great work there, especially on the leadership development side. When we talked before, you also were doing a lot of work in the career development vein, which is something that I'm you know, personally very interested in to help people at Sage think about where they're going in their careers and how they can take ownership of that. Can you talk more about what career development looks like at Sage? Yeah. And I'm going to talk about one of the things that we recently done and that I'm more excited about, which is a internal talent marketplace. And, and uh, I think that is a place that, or, or an arena that is hidden, you know, finally looks like uh, LinkedIn is also moving in into the internal talent 
marketplace they've always been very focused more on the you know on the external side mm -hmm. there are some big players out there a lot of people work with gloat we went with another partner which is feel 50 mm -hmm. but over the last you know six months we've gone from pilot to full launch and now people can much better navigate you know and understand so you can go to the system declare your capabilities you do a number of self-assessments you can also see other people's profiles and you know ultimately what we're trying to do is help people understand what capabilities not only do I have, which is important, and what level of proficiency, because your manager can opine on that too, so it's not just a self-assessment. But more importantly, if you're interested in the job that sits over there, well, what does it take? What capabilities sit behind? I mean, job titles, I mean, we're moving towards a skill-based you know, economy. So job titles don't tell you much, if anything. But if that person has been able to paint the picture of what does it take to do that job, then I'm in a better position to say, okay, and if you know the system also tells you, by the way, you're short on here and here and here, you've got what it takes here, here, and here, and these are some of the steps that you could take, or these are some of the conversations that you could have. And so really excited about, about that. Combined with that, this platform also allows us to uh, put gigs out there, which I think that, you know, again, you know, gigs has started as something that organizations will put out there for third party. You know, now we're seeing intra gigs. So it's company gigs that mm. uh, you know that we promote, uh, and we, we're beginning to have some success with that. The platform also allows for mentorship, which is which is fantastic. Because you know, part of that is if I'm looking over there, I said, oh, you know, I want to have a career in finance. Well, maybe I should start by. Might be too late for me, but you know, you may want to start by having a mentor and a number of conversations in that space and understand what does it take and what certifications might be valuable if you want to go and you know uh, aim to be one day a controller or, or you know a role like like that. So yes. We have, you know, invested significantly and, and put a huge amount of effort. I'm very lucky to have a fantastic team that works on, you know, on this. But, you know, very, very committed to the, the promotion of a healthy internal talent marketplace. Last year, I think we handled over 3,300 open roles. And, and I'm happy to say that I think it was close to 40%, 35, between 35 and 40%, you know, were internal appointments. We want to see that go up. And that's not to say we will not continue to go externally. Of course, we'll always, you know, go yeah. to the market when needed. But is that much better to go to the market when you decide rather than when you're forced to because you have no skills and no capabilities available, you know, in, you know, in-house? Yeah, or, or those skills and capabilities are in your house, but you don't know where they are. Who has them, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, there are many skills that, you know, people have, languages that people have that we don't know. You know, sometimes, you know, kind of like we, we only appreciate what we see today. And, but, you know, I may not be very knowledgeable of what this person did three years ago and that they might be totally fluent in this particular language where, by the way, our market is moving to. So, yeah, very, very excited about, about the work we're doing in terms of the internal talent marketplace. And I think anyone in, in talent at the moment, you know, should be exploring, you know, that. I, I think it's still early days. So again, I'm not going to declare victory. There's plenty to, to do. I think there'll be some lessons to learn along, you know, along the way. But uh, yeah, very, very promising. I think this is one of the most popular topics that comes up when I speak with, you know, talent leaders about specifically career development is how do we create more internal mobility? How do we take advantage of the skills that are already here, help people move around and find different positions, especially if you're in a company of a pretty good size, let's say at least 5,000 employees where you know there's a lot of different roles and you shouldn't need to necessarily go to the outside. People shouldn't need to necessarily leave if they want to grow in their career. And so a lot of companies are still trying to solve this. So it's great that you're out there paving the way. And you know, I've had clients that have worked with Fuel 50. I've heard good things. I'm not associated with them. I don't know that much about it, but I know that 
you know, that's the platform that can enable all these things to happen, but you still need to get people there using it, right? You know, you know, as well as anybody working in a software company that, you know, the, the platform or the software is only as good as the, you know, user experience. And of course, the, the number of people using it. So how do you, you know, shift mindsets and get people, you know, on there using it and, and engaging with the platform and the marketplace? Yes, I, I think that's it. Um... I totally agree with that statement, and and I think frankly it's um, it's a statement that is true with so many things that we try to do in the people function. So another project of ours is we're looking at our approach to performance management, and we, we want to change the process, the system, the approach, looking at what how we do fine tune, we're deploying OKRs and so forth. But we're so clear that mindset needs to be one of the things that we work on. And the same thing, you know, with uh, an internal talent marketplace. So yes, the platform can be wonderful, but if people don't go to it, if the mindset is not, it's not right. Or if your line manager says, don't even think about doing a gig. Gig is for people that have extra time. And in this team, we don't have any extra time right. to be, you know, kind of like flirting around with others. You know, we focus on, you know, the day job. And if you have any time, tell me, because I can give you more. Right. You know, that's a mindset, you know, aspect, you know, doing a gig is part of doing something for the company is part of your job. So we need both colleagues and leaders to embrace, you know, you know, those. That doesn't mean I'm going to spend 80% of my time on gigs. Of course not. Mm -hmm. But I may spend 10% and that would be acceptable, encourage, you know, promising, you know, you know, and so forth. So you're absolutely right. So, yes, we have used all the, uh, uh, you know, tools on the communication, you know, toolkit that you can imagine. Yes, we have incentivized. Uh, we have put some prizes sometimes, which use sense of humor, you know, around. Ultimately, is people seeing the benefits of it? You know, what, what do you do on, you know, wh why does something become a habit? In most cases, particularly, obviously, and we want to define this as a good habit, is because you seek some reward. You know, there's something that you enjoy about the activity. There's something that you get back from, from it. So why do you run? And I'm a, a sporadic runner. But when I do, it's, it's because, you know, I'm kind of like I link it with my health. I link it with, you know, wanting to be in shape for the kids. I link it with a number of different, you know, things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are monitoring usage and we are monitoring, you know, kind of like frequency of, you know, of usage and making sure that people make the most of all the features that are, you know, that are offered. But ultimately, it's designing something that is done with the learner, with the colleague in mind, that gives them something back. That is what will bring people back to use it again. So when I look across and in six months, I'm out, I am on that job and I can think back to, you know what, part of the journey was using the platform to understand that job, identify what skills I needed to improve on, you know, that was really valuable. So my next move, I'll go back. Mm -hmm. Why is LinkedIn so popular? Because it gives you value around, yeah. around that. Right. So it's about making sure that some of the great tools that you see in some other platforms that are really addictive are there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we make something internally that is addictive in a positive, you know, way around, around that. So we are keeping an eye on, on that. Yeah. And in our case, working with Field 50 to make sure that, you know, all of that is, sure. is in alignment. And, you know, come and ask me in a couple of years, because this right. is also the thing. You cannot judge it in three months. You cannot even judge yeah. it in six months. You'll yeah. see some early benefits along the way. But if you really want to be fair to a transformation of this caliber, you need to ask us in, in, in a year, in two years, in three years. That's yeah. when we'll see and be able to look back and say, yeah, this is absolutely making a difference. And we'll learn along the way. Ain't perfect. You know, yeah. we'll, I'm sure we'll have to fine tune. There'll be some features that will drop. There'll be some features that will, you know, become uh, will be a surprise for us, a good surprise. So we'll, we'll have to adjust along the way. 
Yeah. Well, I will certainly be happy to check back in with you. Maybe we can have you back on in a year or two to talk about, you know, what, what has changed, what has improved since then, what mistakes have you made so people can learn from those. Cause that's uh, that's how we learn best. And I love that you are out there leading the way going all in on employee experience and optimizing human performance and helping people move and grow in their careers, which is what I'm all about as well. And especially that, that, part of shifting the mindset. So Jorge, this has been great. Thank you so much for for coming on and sharing uh, so much of what you've been doing there at Sage. I know there's more we could go into, but this definitely provides a a good high-level overview and uh, I think some great ideas for people listening. So thanks again for coming on. Well, Andy, thank you so much for letting me give a, a little, you know, a little window of what we do here, but also, you know, some of the things I've done in the, you know, in the past. I do think that, you know, podcasts like yours and always stay in tune and hearing from others, you know, we either give you good ideas right away or if not, it just prompts, you know, so, oh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully we've, uh, we've ignited, you know, a, a few brain cells, you know, to among your listeners and uh, they've become curious maybe about a couple of things. Yeah. And I guess if anybody is really curious and wants to connect with you on this, would LinkedIn be the best place to go? Absolutely. That's the port. That's the, uh, that's the key. That's the key link. You mentioned LinkedIn, right? The great user experience. <laughs> it's great to connect with people. That's why we keep coming back and back and back. All right. Thanks again for being here. I look forward to talking with you more soon. Fantastic. Thank you, Andy. All right, that will do it for my interview with Jorge Aisa Dreyfus from Sage Software in the UK. Just really covered a full range of topics in that conversation. And I was really fascinated to hear how he came in and took on this challenge of revamping talent development and especially improving the employee experience with target metrics on the Glassdoor and ENPS, as well as some other things. I hope you got value from that conversation. Just so many great things that were covered in there. And I think one of the keys was talking about improving employee experience and optimizing performance instead of just regulating people as personnel and HR used to be about and how that has changed over time and and some of the examples of things they did to really improve that experience. And then I love what Sage is doing with the talent marketplace and how they've partnered with Fuel50 and really invested a lot in creating a marketplace where people can figure out how to learn and grow and where they want to go in their careers and embracing the gig economy. So project-based work where people can do, you know, say 10 or 20% of their work on different projects and not be locked in to one job or one career. I really do think that is where our economy is going. It's really a sign of the future of work, and it sounds like they're really embracing it. Now, one thing I asked Jorge about that was really critical there was the mindset piece, because you can invest in a platform and software, but without the right mindset of people really feeling like the culture is set up for them to grow and move and do different things and support from their leaders, you know, and people not using the software, nothing's really going to happen. And so Jorge has, I know they have partners and they've done some really great things internally, and there's a lot you can do in your organizations as well. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that this is an area of specialty for me. I have studied career development and talent marketplaces and what it takes to be successful and worked with a number of organizations, especially on the mindset side, to really teach people how to own their careers and gain clarity on where they want and need to go so that they can then take advantage of those tools 
to get there and grow in their careers, which is going to improve your employee engagement, employee experience, your retention, all of those things. I also can work with leaders to help them support their people better in owning their career. So if this is something that you're looking for help with in your organization, feel free to reach out to me. My email is andy at andystorch.com. I also wanted to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank Conference and Community. Now, we just hosted the conference a few weeks ago. It was a huge success, and I'm not sure if or when the next one is going to be, but we do have an ongoing conference going on virtually inside the Talent Development Think Tank community with calls every Wednesday with different guest speakers, and I've invited Jorge to be a guest speaker in our community, and we will get him scheduled later this year in 2023. So if you're not a member and you don't have a community you can go to where you can really invest in yourself and learn and grow in talent development, on a regular basis, I highly recommend that you come join us. You can sign up and just pay uh, monthly and you know check it out for one or two months and see if it's a good fit for you. And if it's not, you can leave. There are no commitments and no hard feelings, but most of our people stay for a long time because they do love it. Or if you know you're ready to sign up and join and, and commit, and you could save a little bit of money by paying annually the fee as well. All the information is on our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. We're also revamping that website and moving our podcast and everything over there as well. But all the community info as well as any future events will be on talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. You can also book a call with me if you have any questions. Feel free to reach out and I look forward to talking with you again soon.